Okay, you'll do it because it, all right. So if you will turn in your Bibles to page 980, we're reading from Psalms 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose hope is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. The maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in it, the Lord who forever faithful. He withhold, upholds the cause of the oppressed and everything in them and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind, and the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord reigns over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Bless this reading. Church of Christ. It's so happy to have you guys here on this December Sunday. And, uh, you know, I was going to talk to the kids before they went out, but um, how about we do this? If you are ages third grade to seventh grade, can I have you guys on the stage right now? I need to ask you guys some questions. Third grade to seventh grade. Why don't you come on up real, real quick? <clears throat> don't be shy. Third to seventh grade. Let's give them a round of applause, everybody. They're a little bit nervous. All right, would you guys just sit on the, on the, on the stands right now? All right, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. You know, you guys are the older ones. You're intelligent. You're smart. So there's a word that's to your left. And uh, can anybody tell me what that word says? Yeah, that one right there. <laughs> Say a little louder. Turn this mic on. All right. He said hope. If you didn't, he, he can read. He can read. Hey, so what I want to know is, you know, Christmas is in how many days? Do you guys know? Nine. We got nine. We got twelve. Ten. What's the What's the final answer? Ten days until Christmas. So, all right. I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a sentence, and I want you guys to finish it. I hope that. Uh, <laughs> I hope I get a cat. I hope I get a cat. All right. I hope that... I get a dog. <laughs> I hope I get a dog. This is a theme. This is a theme going on. Nicole, is that going to happen? All right. I hope that... Everybody's safe. Everybody is safe. All right. 
All right. Uh, Parker, I hope that... I get a dog. That will not happen. <laughs> no way. No way. All right, Lucas. I hope that... This will be a last fast week of school. Oh, the last fast week of school. That's right, because, you know, coming up, you're almost there. You've almost made it. All right, Kellen, I hope that... Everybody has a great Christmas. I hope everyone has a great Christmas. Man, we had a good group of kids right here. Hey, thank you guys so much. We're going to talk more about hope today in our sermon. But let's give a round of applause right now, kicking us off right. It is interesting the amount of pets that kids... Uh, not in my house. As for me and my household, we will not have a pet. Yeah. I already have four kids. I don't need more. I don't need more. Yeah. Welcome to the Skillman Church of Christ. We are so happy that you are here today. We are a faith community that are, uh, we are concerned with following scripture. We are people who want to live by faith. We're people who want to advocate hope. We're also people who want to be known by love, by those who we spend our time with. So we are so happy uh, that you are here today. Before we get into the text today, I do have a couple of announcements, a couple of things I want to just share as church business. Uh, Number one is this Wednesday. uh, This Wednesday night is our last regeneration meeting. Um, And I think for about 10 or so years, our church has been hosting a recovery ministry on Wednesdays. Uh, and it's been a fantastic, there have been countless stories, uh, great work has been done, and uh, the, the Grace Place Ministries, they're in Duncanville, and so they're going to be meeting with their weekly regeneration meeting there at the Duncanville Church, and so this Wednesday will be the last time that we have the privilege of hosting them at this church, and, uh, and so I wanted to invite everyone uh, to come on Wednesday night uh, to show our support, to pray uh, with these great people. Um, it's going to be happening this, this Wednesday night. It begins about 6.30, uh, 6.45. But the good news is, too, is that there's a meal ahead of time. At 6 p.m., we have the Grace Cafe. And Grace Cafe has been going down for I don't know how many years that's been happening. And it might be that this Wednesday night is the last Grace Cafe on Wednesdays. And so uh, this would be something uh, that we're still talking about what's going to happen on Wednesdays, and I want to tell you about that next. But uh, for the way it is now, uh, this might be the, the, the last time that we have it just the way it is. And so I want to invite everybody to come on Wednesday night to, to show your support, your love and kindness for what has been happening and also bless the ministry uh, uh, regeneration as they continue their work in Duncanville. Uh, so speaking of Wednesdays, I think in starting in 2020, there's going to be some great things happening at this church. Uh, the staff, the elders, we've been in communication about setting a vision, a plan for 2020. And Wednesday nights is one of those things that we're really thinking hard on what we want to do. And one of the things that we'd really like to do is really expand our Friend Speak ministry. Uh, right now, Friend Speak meets on Wednesdays. We have people come to the buildings who are lear- building learning English, practicing their English skills, and it's a, it's a friendship that develops between two people. And so we're really going to try to do a, a, a good job of trying to expand that ministry because we've seen great fruit come from it. And we're also going to use that time intentionally to serve our surrounding community. And so I'm going to tell you about, we're going to share our dreams and hopes for this. It's going to be an exciting year. And so uh, I wanted to invite you all back to church in January. <laughs> for the first couple weeks in January, 
because we're going to cast our vision for the year as a church, and we're going to kind of share with you the good things that are, we're going to set a goal for, for 2020, and I've thought of a really cool name for this series, and I think it's completely original. It's going to be called Vision 2020. <laughs> I'm sure every church is going to have that. <laughs> That is their, is their sermon, but it'll be in January, so I invite, invite you back to come the first several weeks in January to kind of hear the dreams and passions we have and how to get involved um, in 2020 in this great community of faith. I can tell you this, I'm, I've been planning a lot, we've been talking a lot about this, and I'm very, very excited about this year. And I'm really excited about inviting you guys along on this amazing journey that we're going to have together as a community of faith. So anyway... To the, let's get to the scriptures. What do you guys say? Uh, we have um, a, uh, the, the text today is in the book of Psalms. Psalms 146. It was the text that was read by my Aunt Cecilia. So you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like to do that. Uh, we're going to get there a little bit later. But I'd like to start with a story. And I wasn't quite sure if this was a true story. Uh, but the story goes that there's this guy who lived in Cleveland, Ohio. And he was a very, very big... Uh, Cleveland Browns fan. And if many of you guys uh, aren't sports fans, the Cleveland Browns, they're an NFL football team. They're a professional football team that's based in Cleveland. And unfortunately, the Cleveland Browns, they haven't had much success. They always have high expectations, but they just never seem to win. Uh, the Cleveland Browns just, they're, they're never very good. They're not, they're not like the Patriots that always seem to make the finals or you know, the Super Bowl. The Cleveland Browns, it's always a disappointing. So I heard about this story about this guy that when he died, uh, in his obituary, he requested that Cleveland Brown players, he requested this specifically, that the Cleveland Browns players would be his pallbearers. And when they asked him why he wanted the Cleveland Browns pallbearers to, to, be, to, to be his pallbearers, he said, I want the Cleveland Browns to let me down one last time. I want the Cleveland Browns to let me down one more time. So I went to the internet to see if it was a true story. And sure enough, it happened. This is a true story. This is his obituary. I don't know his name, but he respectfully requests the six Cleveland Brown pallbearers so the Browns could let him down one last time. And I think, you know, as I was looking for this article, I came across almost every NFL sports team has their version of this. I mean, here's one. Another one is uh, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> uh, when I want, uh, when I die, I want the Detroit Lions to be my pallbearers so they can be, <laughs> they can let me down one last time. Not only the, the, the Detroit Lions, but it, it goes into basketball. The New York Knicks have a version of this. Um, the New York Knicks have a version of this, how they want, the fans want them to, to, to be their pallbearers. And I, I hate to say this too, because we're in Dallas, but there was one here of the Dallas Cowboys as well. How many relate to this? I mean, today's, uh, today's going to be a big day, a big game to see, uh, you know, how, how it goes down. But, you know, looking at this, there's even one that really I thought was just so funny to me. And it's this one back here. Um, and I think we can all relate to this one. <laughs> When I die, I want the people I did group projects with to lower me into the grave so they can let me down one last time. I mean, how many of you have been in a group project? Raise your hand. How many times have you been the last one doing the work? 
Well, let's let your group, your group project team be the ones to lay you in the grave. <laughs> they can let you down one last time. So the truth behind the funniness, the truth is this. The truth is that all of us, all of us in this room, we've had situations where people have let us down. We've had situations in our life where people have told us something and didn't happen. Where people have promised something and it didn't come true. Where someone said they were going to be there, but when the times got tough, they were nowhere to be found. I think we can all relate to the truth behind this joke that all of us, we've experienced a form of someone in our life or something letting us down and the, the feeling of disappointment. In this uh, month and in the last couple of weeks, we've been in the Advent se- season. And so what we're doing is we're talking about waiting, waiting for Jesus. And it's, it's, it's also, it's, it's recreating kind of how Israel felt waiting for the coming of the Messiah, but also how we are now waiting for the return of Christ. And also just cu- waiting, waiting and celebrating that tension that we have. And the text that we have today in Psalms 146, this text warns us about what are we waiting on? What do we put our hope in? Psalms 146 warns us about putting our hope in people. And it urges us to put our ultimate hope in the Lord. So today we're going to turn to Psalms 146. And we're going to let this guide our discussion today. We're going to go verse by verse. And we're going to talk about it, Let the scriptures do our teachings. And there's three sections that we see in Psalms 146. We see in verses 3 through 4 the kind of people that let us down. In verses 3 through 4. In verses 5 through 6, we read the kind of God that lifts people up. And then in 7 through 10, we're going to read about the kind of people that God doesn't let down. But if you look in Psalms 146, it begins with praise. In verses 1 through 2, it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But why? Why are we supposed to praise God? Well, it goes into it later in the text. And so let's let's start with the first one, kind of people that let us down in verses 3 through 4. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. This is verse 3. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. So we're not quite sure of the context of this particular psalm when it was written. It's towards the latter part of the book of Psalms. And so it could have been written during the time of King David, but it could also could have been written in the exile. So we're not quite sure what type of leader this is referring to. It could have been referring to the princes of, of the, the nation of Israel, but it could also be the princes of the, those that were, while they were in exile. But here, the, the point of it is that the person that's in charge, the person with riches, sometimes we put our hope in the ones with the fame, with the power, the ones that are making decisions. We totally put our hope in these kind of people. In this particular text is saying, do not put our trust in them. If we put our trust in the humans, they will let us down. And verse 4 tells us why. Verse 4 says, when their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. So here we have the reason why. Why do we not put our hope in humanity? Why do we not put our trust in in our fellow brother, their ultimate trust in them. The reason why is because we are frail. Our time is limited. 
that we, we don't have the capacity. Our days are numbers. We will die one day. And when we die, all that we did, it will go into the ground with us. Our life, all of our lives are fleeting. All of what we do is just temporary. And so the psalmist is reminding us, if you put your ultimate hope in humanity, if you put your ultimate hope, your dreams, your wishes in the human race or someone else, someone beside you, you will ultimately be let down. Because we as humans, we don't have the capacity to be there for people at all times. I mean, it's almost like the example, like if, if you were to ask me for a million dollars right now, you know, let alone, it doesn't talk here about, you know, my, the sin in my life. It doesn't talk about that. It talks about just the capacity of my life. I don't even have the ability to do it. So if you ask me a million, we can't even talk about whether I'd want to give you a million because I don't even have a million dollars to give you. And this is the same thing in, in Psalms, is that we as humans, we can never fully be the kind of people that will never ever let somebody, not let someone down. So here in our life, we don't have princes, you know, in our society in Texas to, to put our faith in. But we can, we can bring it home to some application. What does this look like for us when we don't have princes? Who are we putting our ultimate hope in who we shouldn't be putting our hope in? It could look like a political leader, putting our hope and our dreams in a political leader. If, if this guy stays president, then everything will be okay. Or if this person becomes president and wins, then, then everything will, will, will be okay. I mean, sometimes we find ourselves saying this rhetoric and putting our hope and dreams in the elections that come. Or, or it could be our bosses or the people that, that work with us. If, if this person would do this, then I would be okay. If I could just get this promotion, if, if, if this person could give me a recommendation, then I will be okay. Or what about the times in life where we feel like something is missing and we feel like another person could satisfy that hole? You know, for example, some of us who, who were, were single at one point, how many times were we laying in bed praying for somebody, our soulmate, to show up? If, if I could just find that person, then I'll be happy. If I could just find this, this, if we could just connect and fall in love, then I will be happy. If I could do this, if this person would just show up, then all my dreams would come true. But even married people, we struggle with this as well. In, in Colossians chapter 3, there's a, there's a word when Paul is writing about sins and about what we need to avoid, evil desires. He uses a word there in Colossians 3 called epithemia. Can you guys say epithemia? Epithemia. Epithemia are good things in life that we have an over-desire for. Good things in life that we are, our desire is too much so that it becomes harmful. And I think we in our society, we can struggle with this. The good things in life can sometimes consume us. I mean, <clears throat> like our, uh, our, our marriages. You know, being, having a husband or wife is a good thing. Having kids is a good thing. But when that relationship, de de that relationship, when it has an effect on your attitude, when it impacts how you view the world, when it impacts how you see in your attitude, then it can be an unhealthy thing. When, the, when our desire for good things become too much, 
it can become a very harmful thing. There was a, uh, a seminar I went to recently with Lifeline Chaplaincy. And uh, it was interesting because the guy was speaking, and he talked about a wedding that he went to recently. And at this wedding, they were giving the vows. And it was a very unique wedding because uh, the, the guy, they had written their vows, and the vows were something that, I, that this guy had never heard before because the groom goes to the wife. And I've said this before, and some of the people don't really like how it happened, but I think there's, there's richness behind what he said. He looks to the wife, his future wife at the wedding, and they're giving the vows. And he says, this isn't going to end well. You're going to die, or I'm going to die. You're going to disappoint me. You're going to hurt my feelings. You're going to say something that's going to irritate me. I know that heartbreak is ahead, but I choose to love you anyway. I mean, how beautiful is that knowing in that relationship, knowing that there's going to be heartbreak, there's going to be pain, going ahead and admitting that this wife isn't going to be the answer to all the problems, but still walking forward anyway, knowing that, that that person won't be the ultimate answer to everything. So here we have this in, in verse, verse 4, in verse 3, do not put trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But now, in verse 5 and 6, we get to a kind of God that lifts people up. So in verse 5, it says, Blessed are those who help, whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. So if we don't put our ultimate hope in humanity, if we don't put our ultimate our, our joys and our dreams in another person. Who do we put our hope in? Well, first 5 and 6 says it. We put our hope in God, the God who created the world, the God who made the heavens and the earth. And this is where we as Christians, where we make the jump. Because this is where we put our faith in a higher being. This is where we say there is something greater going on in the world that our life isn't meaningless, but there is a God up working, and we trust in this God. And so here we have this God. Does this God have the capacity to be there for you whenever you need it? Yes. Is this God big enough to handle your fears and your concerns? The psalmist time and time again says, yes, put our hope in this God. And in verse 7 through 10, we read about the kind of people that this God does not let down. And if you can look at it here in verses 7 through 10, who are the people that God doesn't let down? We have the oppressed. We have the hungry. We have the prisoners. We have the blind. We have those who are bowed down. We have the righteous. And the righteous here doesn't mean people who are perfect. It means people who are in covenant with God. We have the foreigner. We have the fatherless. And we have the widow. What do all these people have in common? There are people that are broken, people that are in need. And the scripture says that this God, the God of the maker, the maker of heaven and earth, this God is there for these kind of people. And when I see the list, this list in verses 7 through 10, I think of two things. Number one, I think of Jesus. Because these are the kind of people that Jesus spent time with in his life. 
I mean, I think about the story of the woman at the well who was thirsty. And Jesus tells her, oh, I have water that will, that will make you not thirst ever again. I think about Jesus giving food to those that were hungry, the prisoners. I think about Jesus and the stories of Jesus taking mud and making blind people see. I think about Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan. I mean, these are the very people that Jesus spent time with, that Jesus invested in, that Jesus loved. It shows us again that God is there for these kind of people, these people who are in need, all of us. So that's the first thing. I think of Jesus. The second thing, when I read this list in verses 5 through 7, I think about us, you and me. I think about us because we are this list, aren't we? We are the people that are on this list that need a voice of hope and need to trust in something that will not let us down. Because some of us in this room, some of us are hungry. We're hungry for meaning in our life. We're hungry for something to tell us that our life matters, that our choices matter. There's some of us in this room who are enslaved. Enslaved to our mortgages. Enslaved to our jobs. Enslaved to our bosses. Enslaved to things that we say we couldn't get out of. There's some of us here who are blind. Who can't see the richness of life. There's some of us in here who feel, feel like foreigners, who feel like outcasts. I mean, am I, only, am I alone on this, or do you feel this? I feel it. I resonate with this list. And the psalmist says that God is there for us. And it doesn't say we have to do these three things or four things or seven things. It says that God is meeting us where we are in our brokenness. God is meeting us where we are in our feelings of being ostracized. And God is there as a beacon of hope for us. And it talks about how this can be accessed now. In verse 10, it continues. And it, because of this, it says, The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It ends with such a happy saying. I mean, you have this list of people, then it ends with this, this statement of praise. And it says that we can have hope in the Lord. You know why we can have hope? Because we know how the story ends. We know that forever the Lord will reign. For all generations, we, have it. we can tap into the story. And so we can have hope. You know, there's an illustration about a stained glass mirror. And if you are really close to a stained glass mirror, it just looks like jaggedy pieces of glass put together. It looks ugly. It looks just, if your face is right there, really, really close, it doesn't look artistic. It looks like just a bunch of chaos. And so sometimes in our life, when I, when I see this list, I can, I can resonate with feeling that life looks jagged. It looks rough. It looks like there's no meaning. But here in verse 10, it's telling us that the big picture is that the Lord has a plan. The Lord is going to reign forever. And so if you take a step back and look at the big picture, you begin to see a beautiful work of art in this stained glass. And it's a beautiful thing that ultimately leads us to praise the Lord. And this kind of hope that we have, it's, it's a Christian hope. And I was doing some, some uh, research, and, and Tim Keller has an interesting quote 
about this word hope. Because hope in the English translation, it may not be the best translation because in our English, in our English hope, it, it connotes some, some sort of uncertainty. You know, I hope I get a dog. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but you hope for it even though it's, it's not going to happen. And so, you know, in our English word, when we say the word hope, it, there is sort of a, a meaning behind it that it may not happen. But the Christian sense of hope is different. And Tim Keller says it really well. He says, Christian hope is life-shaping, joyous, what is that word? Certainty that your future is the eternal love and glory of God and a new heaven and new earth. I mean, we look at this word hope, and Christian hope, there is a certainty to it. We know how the story is going to play out. It's just a matter of time. We don't know the timing of it. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know how we'll be involved, but we know that God will ultimately win. We don't know who is who or, or our place in it, but we know that ultimately that love will win. I mean, this is Christian hope. That we know that God is at work and God hasn't abandoned us and God will continue to work. And ultimately, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we celebrate this in Advent and Christmas. This idea that we can have hope. This kind of hope. A life-shaping hope. A life-shaping certainty. Because we know that God is at work. In, in Psalms 146, did you notice the, the first, it starts and it ends in the same way. Uh, do you know, is anybody in your, in your Bible, it, it starts and ends with the same three words. What does it say in, in your Bible? Praise the Lord. Psalms 146 starts with praise the Lord. And Psalms 146 ends with praise the Lord. Do you guys know what that word is in Hebrew? Anybody out there know? I know you know, Jake. That word, I know you know, Kevin. <laughs> that word in Hebrew is hallelujah. That is hallelujah. That psalm starts with hallelujah, and it ends with hallelujah. So when it comes to this type of hope, we have nothing. It leads us to, to say nothing but hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the life-changing effects of this kind of hope, is that it leads us to say hallelujah. I mean, when you guys are watching the news, and it looks like the world is about to crumble, and the sky is falling down, and everything is going berserk, we, because of our faith in God, can be disturbed by what we see, but we can also say in our heart, hallelujah. Because we know this is not the end of the story, that God is still at work, that God is up to something, and that ultimately we know what is happening. When we have a relationship that breaks, and our heart is broken, and we feel the pain, and we mourn, we can also at the same time say, hallelujah. Because we know that God has not abandoned us and our brokenness, and that we are being restored. When all, all else fails, we feel like our life is falling apart. Yes, we can be, be anxious, but also it should lead us to say the words, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
because ultimately we have faith in a God who hasn't abandoned us, who is there, who made the heavens and the earth, and who is there for the widow and for the blind and for the oppressed and the hungry, for all of us. I mean, hallelujah is the word that we say. It leads us to this. And as we have this invitation this Sunday, as we get into our rest of our service, as we sing our invitation song, as we have our communion, may the words hallelujah echo in our hearts. May the hallelujah be the words that give us hope for the world. When all is looking, looking bad, may we remember Psalms 146, that God is still at work, that God will come back, that we can put our hope in God. The invitation today for all of us is to stop thinking about who's going to be your pallbearer. <laughs> to not put our hope in another human, the person to your left and to your right, because you know what? They're going to let you down. I mean, look at the person right now to your, to your left and right and say, you're going to let me down. You are going to let me down. And say this, you're not going to be my pallbearer. <laughs> You're not going to be my pallbearer because you know what? We're going to put our hope in the Lord. Put our faith in the Lord. Put our dreams in what the Lord is doing. And it's going to lead us ultimately to say, hallelujah.